Father, we thank you so much for, for sending Jesus to, to die on the cross. And as we know that um, we get to celebrate his resurrection on Sunday, Lord, today is the day that we reflect um, and we mourn the loss uh, on Good Friday, the day which um, you sent your, done, your son to bear all the penalty of our sin upon his shoulders. So, Father, I pray that as we... Um, as we look into your word, as we look into the eyes of our Savior on that cross, Lord, we pray that you would um, move us and speak to us to feel the weight of our sin so that Sunday morning we can feel the weight of your glory. So, Lord, we pray that you would be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may grab a seat, and, and as you do... As we mentioned, we are here this evening to, to think upon the power of the cross, to think about the sacrifice that Jesus laid down his life, that yes, he lived a perfect life, and then he died a horrible death. And often if you're here with us, I'll say those words and I'll very quickly just say, and then he was raised to new life so that we could have eternal life. But this, of all nights, is the day in which, the night in which we, we say he lived a perfect life, and he died a horrible death, and we stop there. Because it's so easy for us to want to go to the end of the story because the end of the story is beautiful. But in order for us to appreciate the end of the story, we have to be able to take a few moments to sit in the pain of this part of the story, to picture what it was like for Jesus. And for us, we are going to be starting a series this Sunday for Easter Sunday called I Am. That's going to be looking at the seven divine statements of Jesus in the book of, in the gospel of John. And, and they're all these, I am the bread of life and I am the resurrection. I am the light of the world. And we've heard many of these and, and those all have a connection to his claims and his proclamation of his divinity. The fact that he proclaimed that he truly was God. He is the I am who am, referencing Exodus 3.14, the name of Yahweh. And when he said those things, when Jesus said those things, they caused an uproar because people knew what that meant. But before we look at that, what we want to do is tonight, as those seven statements highlight his divinity, we're going to take a few moments this evening to listen to an I am or talk about an I am statement that highlights his humanity because, because he was fully God and because he was fully human, we're able, to, we're able to come together at the cross where his love and the justice met so that we could be able to have eternal life. And so the phrase that we're looking at, the I am statement that highlights his humanity that we're going to be looking at tonight is from John chapter 19 and verse 28 when he says, I am thirsty. And when I was in uh, India in 2005, uh, we went there and, and in one of the uh, Mother Teresa homes, the, the mother house, there was a picture of Jesus Christ and it had a cross, next, or it had a cross of him on there and then it says, I thirst next to it. And out of all the things that Jesus said on the cross, the, this was highlighted. And, and when you look into it, it's because Mother Teresa looked at this as an opportunity because he was thirsting for people far from him to be able to draw near to him, for people who are hurting to be able to be healed, and for those who are sick to be clean, and all these different things. And so this idea of I thirst is a way for us to look at the fact that, yes, he's fully God, 
but he's also fully human. And he had hungers and thirsts and pain and heartache and brokenness in the same way that we do. That Hebrews talks about the idea that we have a high priest who understands our temptations and yet he was without sin. And that when we focus on this idea of I am thirsty, I thirst, we'll look at the context of it and we'll look at the impact of it in our lives. That if you look at the book of Psalms, there's verses that talk about our thirst and how Jesus can understand our thirst. And, and so in Psalm 63:1, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 say, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That this longing, this thirst for something more, for something deeper, this thirst for God, is something that is ingrained in each and every one of us, whether we like to admit it or not. But he has put eternity in our hearts. And we know that if we are just living according to what this world has to offer, that it might, it might give us a little relief, but it does not quench our true thirst. That we are created to have right relationship with God, and that only happens through Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to hit on tonight is the idea that because Jesus was fully God, or because Jesus was fully human, he was thirsty, just as we've been thirsty, just as we need Jesus, or rather we need God the Father, so Jesus did too. And his soul cried out to God the Father on the cross. Because Jesus was fully human, he was thirsty. But because he is fully God, he can quench our thirst. So John chapter 19, 28 and 29, that this is the fifth thing that Jesus says on the cross, one of the five final things that he says 28 says this, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That is, it refers to, as scripture said, it's referring to Psalm 69, verse 21, when uh, the psalmist says, and Jesus refers to this, that they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. That the scripture in John chapter 19 talks about a sour wine and that the wine was so sour that it was much more akin to vinegar than it was to a wine that would actually taste good or would have any, um, any beneficial effects there. And so on Good Friday, we remember that because Jesus was fully human, he thirsts, but because he's fully God, that he's the one who can quench our thirst, that Jesus had to be thirsty. Jesus, as fully human, had to die on the cross. He had to die so that we may have life. He had to be thirsty so that our thirst may be quenched. And I want to give a little bit of a, of a background to something that Jesus said earlier in the gospel of John, that in John chapter seven, he's talking about this idea of how he is the one from which 
If you are thirsty, you could come to him. And it's a feast of tabernacles. And I need to take a couple moments just to, to look at what the feast of tabernacles meant in the Old Testament to understand the fulfillment of it through Christ and how important that is. That the Feast of Tabernacles is, is, the word tabernacle means tent, and so it's this earthly dwelling. And it was this idea that it was one of the three mandatory feasts that Jewish people would have to go to Jerusalem for. And so at the end of the harvest season, they would celebrate God's provision. They would celebrate his provision by making tabernacles or booths or tents, and there would be a temporary housing for them as they went to Jerusalem. And then each day of the seven-day uh, feast, each day the high priest would fill up water from the Siloam, from the river there, and he would pour it out at the temple. And this has a connection back to Ezekiel 47 as well as Zechariah 14.8. Zechariah 14.8 says, On that day, talking about a day in the future, Living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it east to the Dead Sea and half of it west to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and in winter. And it was this prophesied statement that talked about how out of Jerusalem would come a living water from which the entire world would be blessed. That out of the temple, the entire world would be blessed. And so as the high priest would pour this out, the people, the Jewish people that were here in Jerusalem celebrating this feast would proclaim what Psalm 118, 25, and 26 say. And it says this, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And so we have a few moments where if, you, if that sounds familiar to you, it's very similar to what the people were singing and crying out when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. They were saying, Hosanna, God, save me. Save us, we pray, O Lord. And they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus is already having a connection back to this idea of the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, when it talks about what Jesus did is that he came and dwelt among us in John 1. It's this idea that he came and he tabernacled, he dwelt among us. So what does this all have to do with thirst? Because we recognize that because he was fully human, he was thirsty. But because he was fully God, he's the one that can quench our thirst. So on the last day of the feast, John 7, as we'll see on our screen, that at the Feast of Tabernacles, this is when Jesus stands up with the context that the priest is going to be pouring water that's going to uh, be able to be blessed throughout the whole world. With, with the context of recognizing that from living water would be coming from Jerusalem in order to bless the whole world. And from the context of calling out for God to save us, this is what Jesus says. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That he's showing that the entire idea behind the Feast of the Tabernacles is fulfilled in him. That in the same way that they would create earthly dwellings or, or temporary dwellings to dwell amongst the people in Jerusalem, Jesus took on our earthly tent. He took on the dwelling of a human body and became fully God or was fully God and became fully human. That in the same way that a high priest would bless the people from Jerusalem, that Jesus is now our high priest who, although he was tempted, he knew no sin. 
And in the same way that he is someone that would be pray, or that the tabernacles would talk about, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, save us, O God, Hosanna. That when he came in riding on a donkey a few months later, a few years later, they would be crying out the same things that he's showing them, that he is the fulfillment of the presence of God. And then he's showing them that the only way that we can have true thirst quenched, the only way we could truly have that in our lives, which we need the most, is by looking at a savior who was fully human enough to be thirsty, to say, I am thirsty. And yet he's fully God so that he's the only one from which our thirst can be quenched that we receive our life from his death. And then we are able to die to ourselves. And in the same way that the idea of the tabernacle is that out of Jerusalem, water would flow all the way from the east is to the west, that we are able to have the opportunity that because we've been filled up by going to the one who thirsted and now is the one who quenches our thirst, that we now too are blessed to be a blessing. That we now too have found eternal life through calling upon the name of Jesus Christ and believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths that he is Lord. But that doesn't mean we just keep that blessing for ourselves. It means that we get to share that blessing. And from Jerusalem, from the cross of Jesus Christ, that blessing can go from generation to generation in summer and in winter, east to west, which means through all out all the time and in every direction. That Jesus fulfills this and he is thirsty. He was fully human. He hungered. He was tired. He was thirsty. He felt pain. And he thirsted for a moment to have a respite from that pain. And, and so he took that, that drink from the hyssop, that, that sour wine, that vinegar. He took that and it was a way to, yes, be able to give him enough strength to be able to proclaim that he is finished or that it is finished rather, I'm sorry, to proclaim that it was finished, it was accomplished, that he had done what he was here to do. And you think about the time that you've been most thirsty in your life. You think about the time when you start guzzling water down and that thirst, that dry moment in the back of your throat. And how good and pleasing it is to be able to have a cup of cool water. That when Jesus, he cried out, he is the living water that allows us to have eternal life. Because he was fully human, because he felt every whip that was upon his back, he felt every thorn that was upon his head as a crown. He felt every time the cat of the nine tails ripped flesh. He felt every single time that he fell. He felt every stroke of the hammer that pierced the nail deeper. He felt all the weight of when he was holding his arms outstretched and his lungs would just feel like they were collapsing upon himself. When he felt each and every one of those things, it was not the nails that held him up on the cross, but it was his love for you and for me that you think about how much he loves us. That as fully God, he can quench our thirst, but as being fully human, he was thirsty too. He was hurting too. So when we cry out to him in our moments of thirst, he can understand. 
When we cry out in moments of pain, he knows pain deeper than we can imagine. That when we are in moments of brokenness, his body was broken so that we may have eternal life. That when we think upon the cross, we recognize that we can come to him. We who hunger and we who thirst are able to come to a savior who understands, who loves you so much that he did live a perfect life and he did die a horrible death. And we sit in that moment now, recognizing that we could come to him whenever we are hungry, whenever we are thirsty, whenever we are hurting, whenever we are broken, whenever we are lost, whenever we are confused, whenever we are struggling, whenever we are tempted, whenever we are in a moment of feeling the depth of our humanity and wishing that we could be closer to God, he understands what it's like to be fully human. And even though the I am thirsty isn't one of the seven I am's, it shows us a lot about him that he is the fulfillment of bringing our thirst to an end by quenching it, that when we come to him, we can have our fill. Again, we receive our life from his death. Now we can die to ourselves and bless the whole world with his life. Because Jesus was fully human, he was thirsty. Because he is fully God, he can quench our thirst and we could come to him when we are thirsty, when we are weary, when we are heavily laden, when we are burdened, when we are broken. Let us pray. Father, we just take a few moments this evening to think upon the cross, a place where your love ran red, to think about the place in which, God, the place in which all of the wrath towards sin was put upon Jesus Christ's shoulders, he who knew no sin, how he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, before we rush into the excitement of Easter Sunday, which there is no greater reason to be excited than Easter Sunday, but as we, before we get into that, may we sit in the humanity and the recognition of the brokenness of our Savior. That if he was not fully human, then he wouldn't fully be able to take our sin, but because he lived a perfect life and he died a horrible death, that we are able to experience that new life. So I pray, Lord, that as we hear this idea that I am thirsty from the lips of Jesus, may we recognize that because he was fully human, he thirsted too, but because he's fully God, we are able to come to him when we are hunger and when we thirst, that rivers of life would flow through us so that we would be able to have eternal life and have that living water and know that when we are with Jesus, that we can have life eternal. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We fix our eyes upon you. And we continue to worship you through song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we read in John 19, verse 28, later known that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Verse 29, a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. 
When he'd received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I want to take a moment to look at verse 29 just a little bit deeper. As we're about to take communion in just a couple moments, and as we get ready to prepare our hearts for that uh, moment in which we take the bread and we take the cup, uh, Lisa Turkhurst um, shared this idea of looking at something very specific, a very specific detail in John 19, 29, and, and just learning and pulling out a little bit some, some things for us to consider. And so what she talks about is the importance of the hyssop branch, that it seems like a very specific detail in which to include, um, and oftentimes when there are very specific details which are included in the scripture, it is beneficial and it, it can teach us in order to look a little bit deeper within that. And so she refers to a few times in which we see the hyssop branch referenced in the Old Testament um, specifically. The first one in which it is mentioned is that the hyssop branch was the one that during the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, the moment in which the angel of the Lord was going to come in and, and kill any firstborn kids who were not firstborn sons, rather, who were not within a home in which the blood of the lamb, a perfect lamb without stain, would be sacrificed. And the hyssop branch was what was dipped into the blood and then was put at the door frames in order to make sure that the angel of the Lord would pass over those, those homes. Another example in which we see this is this idea that the hyssop branch was one that was used very often to clean both people, maybe if they had um, a skin disease or if they were ceremonially unclean, but it also would be used to clean parts of the, t the tabernacle, uh, the scroll, different types of things. And so it's used, yes, for this idea of being dipped into the blood in order to allow for the Passover lamb to count as our sacrifice to be able to be passed over in Exodus 12. It was also used as a way to be an instrument for cleaning and for cleansing for those which are unclean. And then in Psalm 51, David refers to it, and it talks about how when he had his sin with Bathsheba, and he called out, and he said, purge me with hyssop, clean me, and I will be clean. And, and he references it, again, with the cleansing property in mind, or the cleansing relationship in mind that we see in the tabernacle with hyssop. He uses that idea of, as saying, recognize that he too needs to be cleansed from his sin. And so as we prepare to take communion, may we take hold of these little things, details in scripture that we could dive in deeper. And may we take hold of the fact that the hyssop plant was very specifically mentioned. One, it points us to the idea of the Passover in which the body of a lamb was broken and was a perfect sacrifice, that a Passover lamb had to be slain. That's Hebrews 9.22 shows us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so we look at the Passover way back when, and the hyssop branch was that which allowed the blood of the lamb to cause us to be passed over for our sin. And then may it remind us of the fact that it's through the hyssop that we are truly made clean, and so it's his body that was as the lamb who came to take away the sin of the world. Jesus, his body was broken. And it was not broken because it was imperfect, but it was broken because of all that he had to take upon himself. But it was one of those things where because of his sacrifice as our lamb, as the Passover lamb who came to take away the sin of the world, we have eternal life. And then it reminds us that we too need to be 
clean. That if we confess our sins, God is righteous and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. That this hyssop branch is not just a random detail, but it points us to the work of Christ as the lamb who took away the sin of the world and as the one who can clean us from our sins so that we may have be stand clean from him in front of him. As far as the east is from the west is how he takes the sin away from our sin away from us. And that we were once stained crimson, he makes us white as snow. And so, in a couple moments, we're gonna have the communion stay up here this morning, or this evening, rather. And over the we're gonna sing one more song together. And at any point in that song, if you feel or when you feel that you want to come forward and take communion. You can take that bread that represents his body that was the lamb who came to take away the sin of the world. And you can take the cup that reminds us of the blood that was shed, that reminds us that we are now truly made clean. And may we remember the main point tonight that because Jesus was fully human, he was thirsty. But because Jesus is fully God, he alone can cleanse all quench all of our thirst. He alone makes us new. He alone makes us whole. He alone brings us freedom. He alone gives us hope and eternal life. Father, we thank you for this time, and I pray, Lord, that as we have an opportunity to take communion together, that, Lord, you would help us to take hold of the meaning of the hyssop branch, as a reminder of how rich and deep and beautiful your, your word is, how we can always keep learning, always keep growing. But Lord, we pray, God, that you would help us to remember and to think upon your son's sacrifice this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would draw us unto you, that we would be able to commune with you now throughout this next song. And may we also be able to sing out hallelujah. What a savior we have. Praise the Lord that you sent your son so that we may have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done and for what you're continuing to do in and through us to make us clean, make us whole, and make us yours. Thank you for quenching our thirst. The one that we need most is our thirst for right relationship with God, and you, Jesus, alone are the way, the truth, and the life and the, and the opportunity for us to experience that eternal life. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So go ahead and feel free to come forward over the next song. You have an opportunity to, to come forward, to take communion, and to remember his sacrifice on this Good Friday evening. So please stand, feel free to come forward as you feel led. I know some of you are still uh, holding the elements and in the midst of taking that. Maybe some of you... Um, haven't taken the elements and, and you're still, uh, we're just in the middle of singing and worshiping God that way. And um, what we want to do um, as we close our service this evening is to be honest, we just want to create a space. We want to create a space in which we can have moments in which we are just still before the Lord. That we can create a space in which if you are thirsting right now, whether it's thirsting out of a, of a physical pain, whether it's thirsting out of an emotional distance, whether it's thirsting out of a spiritual just separation that you're feeling right now. And if you need prayer, I would love to be able to pray with you. And I know we'd be able to find several others that would love to pray with you as well. 
So maybe you need to stay back a little bit um, after we close and you just need to come forward for prayer. Maybe, maybe what you need is not to, not to pr- ask for someone else for prayer, but maybe what you need to do is to take the next few moments, the next few minutes, and walk out of the seats, walk up the stage, and just kneel, sit, lay prostrate in front of the cross of Christ. Just to just be still before him, to think upon his sacrifice, how he became nothing and was poured out to death, and to proclaim, hallelujah, what a savior. And so, as our service concludes, I'm going to ask that if you want to be able to, to if you want to leave right now and, and be able to head out and go about the rest of your evening, I just ask that you would leave uh, in silence, that you would leave as quietly as you can in order to create that space in which God may still be speaking and moving and working in our hearts. Because as we close, we remember that because he was fully human, he thirsted too. He was thirsty, but because he is fully God, he is the one that quenches our thirst now. So whether you want to come forward for prayer, come kneel or be at the front of the cross, and we, this is about as empty as our stage ever gets, and so being able to have that opportunity to just come and sit and be still. However you need to continue this time of worship, whether it's through here or whether it's leaving and going about your evening, just remember how much he loves you. Remember that probably the hardest day in all of history for so many people was Good Friday, and then the saddest day for many of the disciples would have been the next morning because when we lose someone, it's the day after when the reality sets in that is often harder than the actual day itself. And so imagine the darkness of Good Friday and then the darkness of Saturday thinking this is my new normal. But thanks be to God that we can sit in that darkness, we can sit in that pain and we can sit in recognition that Jesus thirsted and he was broken and he died for us. But thank goodness that God is in the business of taking light out of darkness, hope out of despair, life out of death, and resurrection out of crucifixion. So we're going to close now. We're going to have some music just playing lightly. Stay in your seat if you want. Come forward for prayer. Come to the cross or, or leave silently. Let me close this in prayer. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And Jesus, we thank you that you were thirsty too, that you were fully human when you're on this earth. And now you are always, have been, and always will be fully God that, from which we can have our thirsts quenched. God, we thank you. Jesus, we run out of words sometimes to thank you for your sacrifice. So we just simply say, thank you. We know we're not good enough on our own, but Jesus, you were good enough, are good enough, will always be good enough. And you chose to feel every hunger, to feel every pain, to feel every thirst, so that our thirst, our hunger, our pain can find their solution and their quenching in you. We love you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We'll see you all Easter Sunday. Continue to worship as you feel led.